to be invited into people's homes. It's such an intimate space that people hold very sacred. To allow a stranger to see your mess is a very vulnerable place to be. I'm so thankful to sit in people's mess with them, be a witness to their mess, whatever mess that is, and help them transform. It blows my mind every day. It is powerful to see transformation. This is the Getting to the Heart of Business podcast. And as you can hear, today's interview really does get right to the heart for our guest, Kirsty Ferrugia. Kirsty is co-owner of a professional organising business called The Art of Decluttering and co-host of a highly popular podcast of the same name. She's passionate about her work and as you're going to hear, her business has taken her on a real journey of personal growth. I'm James Parnwell and this podcast is brought to you by The Online Co, where we believe the best way to help small and medium businesses grow is by putting people first. My co-host is Jess Caluso. G'day Jess. Hey James. Tell me, Jess, where do you sit on the clutter to neatness spectrum? Oh, I don't know if I want to admit this. Uh, <laughs> well, no uh, one's, no one's going to hold it against you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'm definitely more on the clutter side. Right. I like to keep my work life more organised. So I so find your the desk f- is neat. Yeah, my desk is neat. My diary is neat. My emails are neat. But then I find the flip side to that is my house and the rest of my life could be a little bit cluttered. And what about your other half? Is he like you or is he kind of opposite? Oh, he's worse. He's far more cluttered than I am. Oh, is he? (laughs) (laughs) As for myself, I I feel quite similar, I think, with work. Everything's got a place. And with home, I really try to make systems so that everything has a place and it's all living in its rights. Yeah, you strike me as the sort of person that's got a system for everything, James. But between a a wife and four kids, the systems can get chucked in the bin pretty quick. (laughs) How are you at chucking away things, you know, maybe from your childhood or something somebody gave you that you don't like? To be honest, I'm pretty good. I'm not really super sentimental. I do have a couple of things from my childhood or from grandparents that have passed uh, and past friendships and things like that that I won't, I can't throw those things out yet. Uh, But generally I, I sort of go, yep, okay, that thing's not serving me anymore. I can toss it out. Make the break. We decided to give the kids a memories box and they can put things in. And when it's full, if they want to keep putting things in, they have to start chucking things out. That is a good idea. Throughout their childhood, they'll have a box they take when they leave. But for me, I think, you know, when my dad passed away, throwing his stuff out was very difficult. Mm. And there's just things that I'm not ready to part with yet. And I struggle to imagine ever being ready. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Kirsty's interview was really insightful into the way she helps people, but also into her business journey. She really opened up about some of the kinds of emotional ties people have with their clutter. She and her business partner, Amy, call them landmines, and they'll often go into a client's home, maybe ask them about this box sitting in the corner of the garage, and an emotional landmine explodes. Kirsty also talks about her own personal struggles that she's experienced while growing the business, but the great rewards that have come from persevering facing up to her flaws and being willing to change. Kirsty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, James, for having me. So you run a professional organising business. You're clearly very good at it. We're sitting in your home now and it's immaculate. I was surprised to hear that at one point you weren't a very organised person. No, <laughs> definitely not. If you ask my mum and my family, I was a red hot mess. 
growing up and then marrying my husband was a real turning point. Uh, he comes from a family that are very organized, neat, tidy, and that is also how he operates best. So when we moved in together <laughs> and there was organized and then chaos, um, I decided how can I love him best? And that might mean not digging my heels in and persisting with my mess. Right. <laughs> it might actually mean looking at how he feels most comfortable in the home. And he felt most comfortable when he'd come home and things were mostly organised. And if it wasn't, he would come and organise around me. Right, so he's a, a like a highly... Yeah, this yeah. house is all Simon. Right. I love it now too. And I now find myself operating a lot like him if things aren't in its place. So, so your childhood family culture was more organic for one of the better words? Yeah. Um, my parents put a really high value on being hospitable. Right. And so, you know, we'd go out and we'd meet people and they'd like, come, come back to our house. And there's been times where we've walked into our home and people are sitting on our lounges waiting for us to come home. <laughs> yeah, well, well that's, that's a wonderful thing. Yes, yes, so very, very different from my husband's um, family of origin. So I decided to work on my habits. And so you've kind of walked on both sides, right? You've, had yeah. the, you've done the cluttered and the decluttered, yeah. and um, you've, you're now a firm convert of of being organized <laughs> well yeah and that's when when I stumbled across the profession of organizing I was like oh I could so do that and I could so help people because of my background and you, because you've walked in their shoes. Yeah. yeah and because how much I changed and I'm like most laziest person that you'll ever meet so I'm like well if I have come from this and now can live where it's really easy to have people over. It's really easy to be binging Netflix of a night because I'm not spending hours cleaning up after my children or getting them to clean up. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if I can change so drastically, then surely I can help other people. Right, so your first customer was you. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yes. In a previous uh, life, you were actually an accountant. Shh. <laughs> 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 okay. Yes, yes I was, James. <laughs> Did you love accounting or was it I've, not a fit? Or? I've always loved being with people and I thought that I would be able to do that, being an accountant. And you can when you rise up the ranks. So I was working in corporate in accounts and then went into a, an accounting firm and then had my son and was like, I actually don't want to account for my six minutes. Yes. <laughs> every six minutes. In fact, like I had nightmares for years after. Oh, right, filling having, out timesheets. Yeah, like, oh no, I haven't filled out my timesheet. And I had moved into financial planning and I really loved financial planning. Because it was more people? Yeah, it was more people and yeah. getting to help see freedom for people but I just didn't want to deal with the people managing side of that. People would ring in a global financial crisis. Yeah, terrified. Terrified. Yeah. Client managing is a tricky game. Also, if you're a people person, there's the whole compliance side to yes. financial filling in forms, not yeah. talking to people. Not talking to people, yeah. yeah. And that's gotten heavier and heavier over the years. Yes. So was having your son a trigger to start rethinking what you wanted to do? It was actually when my daughter was 
about 15 months old. We were in a really fortunate situation that I didn't have to go back to work. We'd made that lifestyle choice that I was to stay at home um, to be a full-time mum. That was what I thought I wanted to do. Then having kids made me realise that I'm actually not as idealistic in my motherhood as I thought I was. <laughs> right, well, you, you probably had some dreams in there or some uh, something's ticking away going, hey, I, I wanted to have a career and, yeah. and parent at the same time and I want to make those two things work. That was actually a really big revelation that I thought, yeah, I'm just going to be like my mum, stay at home and raise my babies and, and I love my children. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely adore my children. I just didn't realise that I would not love being a stay-at-home mum as much as I thought I would. And so when she was about 15 months old, I walked into Howard's storage and picked up one of their brochures and inside it was an article about a professional organiser. And I was all like... That's a thing? That's a thing. (laughs) And went, oh, let me go home and Google and saw that it was a thing, that it wasn't just this one person in a magazine, that there is an industry and it has grown so much over the last eight years. And so I turned around to my husband and said, hey, what do you think about me doing this instead of trying to find my way back into financial planning or... So the corporate thing wasn't compatible with your motherhood values and so you're now looking for avenues yeah it just came about like that Simon was like yeah give it a crack and he was the one who was actually saying to me I actually think you need to go back to work Kirsty I think (laughs) you're a bit crankier than you thought you would be in this mothering role so why don't you go out and get something else in your life I think we're seeing a a theme like we've I've interviewed a few people uh, men and women who are saying corporate thing and family I can't make those work and for me that's one of the main reasons I started a business I had kids and I'm like I don't want to be you know um, traveling into work and all that time on the road yeah and I love that about starting my own business is that it was completely flexible I could catch up with friends when I needed to in the early days so what did you do to start yeah (laughs) well it's grown right um (laughs) How did you kick off? Did you find yourself a client or did you make yourself a website? What were the first steps? Yeah, I was at Playgroup one day and one of the mums had a family of five children and I was telling her how I wanted to start this business and she was like, come and do my house then. And I was like, (laughs) sure, awesome. And so I helped her in her home and that was fantastic and I loved it and I could see that there was so much more potential. And at the time, Hills District Mums were allowing us to advertise for free. <laughs> so yeah. I just started... Ah, yeah, um, in the group. Yeah, in the group, advertising on Facebook, and it grew from there. And Amy, your old friend, has entered the picture at some point? Yeah, so for a long time, I was just doing my business. It used to be called Feels Like Home, and I was doing that just in between kids and almost a side hustle, I would have called it. Okay. And then when my daughter started school, I was like, right, I'm all in. I've got to make this a thing. And so I went all in. And then a couple of months after that, my long-term friend that I grew up with and I was a youth group leader back in the day she called me up and said hey why don't we do a collaboration together 
to grow our email lists. You know, we're not okay. we're not competitors. I live in Melbourne, you live in Sydney. Let's try and do some collaboration. And we tossed around a few ideas and I was really into podcasts and had felt like I should start a podcast. I thought it was going to be another side hustle. And <laughs> so I was already had my toes in the water for podcasting. And then I suggested to her and she was like, what's a podcast? Okay, she, right. <laughs> and I was like, you don't need to worry about anything. Just rock up, turn on your camera. Let's get some mics and you just rock up. I'll do everything else. By that time we had both, she'd been in business for three years and I'd been in business for four years and we'd both had a substantial amount of clients. So we're like, oh, well, we'll have some listeners because we'll tell our clients about yes. it. And we launched and we thought, yeah, we'll get some listeners and maybe our mums will listen to it, maybe. And <laughs> we started, we launched with three episodes um, and I think within a couple of weeks we had reached 1500 downloads which is phenomenal yeah because we just jumped out of the gate yeah and so we always say that we just felt like we caught the perfect wave at the perfect time like people were hungry for Australians to be speaking about decluttering because there was no we were the first Australian decluttering podcast there was there were lots of Americans um and it was Marie Kondo was on the scene, so there was, you know, it's in popular culture. Yeah, people were starting, yeah. yeah, people starting to understand what we do and wanting to learn more about it. So it's just like the perfect timing. So people started listening. Then we got picked up by a TV show, asked us to come in and talk about it, a couple of TV shows, and that's when it really took off. So you've just reconnected with an old friend who's by chance doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You've got this idea for a podcast, which by chance is brand new. <laughs> yes. uh, no one else has done it in Australia. And it's all exploded from there. Yeah. It's fantastic. Firstly, that you're, th- you're kind of thinking, how do we grow our list? Like, what's the mm. marketing vehicle that's going to help us grow? In the process, has the podcast ever become bigger than the business? Has one overtaken the other, so to speak? Or does it still feed the main business? That's a really interesting question because we've had two separate businesses at the time. So it was a little messy from a marketing perspective because... Who gets what leads and... Yeah, and we were like, well, if you're in Sydney, call Feels Like Home. (laughs) And if you're in Melbourne, call Simply Organised. But then if you want to do our online courses, then call The Art of Decluttering. Like, it was very... It was messy. A bit cluttered, you might say. (laughs) You had a cluttered marketing plan. (laughs) The podcast definitely was the best marketing decision for our individual businesses. And it did bring in a lot of new customers and it has taken a lot of our time as well. So we just didn't know what it would become. We were essentially between the two of us running three businesses. So it was always this juggle of, do I service my clients or do I spend time recording a podcast? Like, and I was doing all the editing. She was doing all the social media for it and juggling both of our families. So it was a lot of juggling. And so what did you do? Have you now merged and it's all Mm. the one brand? Yeah. So in July last year, we decided to merge. So we no longer have our individual businesses and we offer all of our services under the brand of the Art of Decluttering. And you've got teams in both cities? Yes, we do now. That's been a COVID thing for us. Okay. (laughs) 
help support you. Yes. And then you have courses. Yes. And it's all kind of driven from the top of the funnel via a podcast. Yeah. With millions yeah. of listeners. Thousands of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> millions of downloads. Millions of downloads, yeah. So sitting here at this point of history, looks mm. like mega successful podcast, great business, people working, courses, it's all happening. Uh, my experience as a, as a businessman tells me that there were some challenges along the way. Uh, usually success doesn't just sort of roll up to your door, knock on it and walk in. There's usually some... Really? Uh, <laughs> usually I'm sorry some that that's been your experience. Yeah. <laughs> my experience has been rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> you have to introduce me to those unicorns. I'd love to meet one. Tell me about some of the difficulties along the way. There has been lots. Um, and we're always improving. I think for me personally, one of the best things and most challenging thing has been the actual partnership. Amy and I joke all the time that it's like being married again. Yeah, and, and that's a really good analogy. Isn't yeah, it? and I really love Amy and she really loves me. And that has been what we've had to continue to come back to when we've had some bumps along the ways. Um, we're very, very different personalities. And so trying to come into a partnership and trying to make decisions in unity, that has probably been the biggest area of growth personally. And it has significantly changed me and Amy. And I'm very grateful that when we hit rocky patches, and that's why I'm like, it's so much like a marriage because yeah. marriage is hard work and you have to come back to your why. And so Amy and I have had to keep coming back to our why that we we definitely want to have a thriving business, but never at the expense of our friendship. So Great. we have always said that we will put each other first ahead of our business and the business can fail yeah. if we keep our friendship. The people come first. Yeah. yeah. So just like in a real marriage, it's been really challenging at times. I've like had to keep remembering that actually her heart is for me and our personalities that rub up against each other in different ways. She's never doing anything out of selfish ambition. So just like when you married Simon, you brought two different family cultures together. Yes. You come together with Amy with different values. Yes. And maybe different expectations. Yes. And then you've got to compromise. Yes. To find the shared the shared space. Yeah. Um, how have you how have you done that? With a lot of honesty and a lot of conversations. C communication. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it definitely is. And that has been challenging at times. And it's been hard and it's been beautiful. Yeah. So that's the flip side, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you, you go through challenging times with people. And on the other side, you have something really special. <laughs> yes. And that's what I, I cannot explain how much I have personally changed and grown and been pushed 
to grow and push to examine my own heart and my own motives for things because of being in relationship with Amy and it's been incredible in that it has had a flow on effect into my actual marriage right <laughs> and my actual relationships with everybody um in that I am now so much more self-aware and I hope that I am a lot more gracious in all of my relationships because I haven't wanted my business relationship to fail and because I know that she loves me like a dear sister does I have been able to face the worst and the best of me and I've been able to have grace for her when she's annoyed me <laughs> when she's frustrated me when I don't agree with her when we've had difference of opinions we have unity on our vision for our business yes we both want to serve people love people well by helping them to clear the clutter in their heads hearts and homes how we go about that can look different okay like how do we spend money what marketing choices do we make what do we put our hand to what do we not put our hand to yeah. how do we manage our families while doing that and how do we negotiate that time when our families have different expectations yes. of us so we have a lot of unity and then we're two individual unique yeah. people and so it's been challenging well credit to you because when you married simon and he wanted structure you could have said screw you buddy i could have i want to come home to a house full of people i don't know like yes. <laughs> that's how i was raised yes. well, i don't want to do this yes and you could have sent the same to amy but you've yes. been humble enough to go hang on there's something here that i haven't experienced and uh, i can potentially learn and grow and if that's what I'm hearing correctly, there's yes. been enormous personal growth for you. Yes, couldn't you tell by my tears? <laughs> yeah, in amongst the pain, right? And, yeah. And and I wonder if we, I wonder if we grow without a bit of pain. No. I don't think we do. All of my big breakthroughs have come on the back of something awful. Yes. <laughs> you hate it at the time, but um, yeah, it's well worth it. And what you're also saying is that there's common ground. It's, it's the why of the business. Mm -hmm. You both want the same thing. Uh, you potentially want to get there different ways, but you're able to come back to the purpose of the business and to your love for each other. Yeah, it's, it's so similar to marriage. <laughs> when one of you is like, I'm out, and the other one's holding on tight, and the other one just happens to have the right words at the right time to remind each okay. other yeah. that there's a bigger calling on our life and there's a bigger reason for this business. We wouldn't have this business without the strengths and the weaknesses of each other. So it's really nice to be reminded of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it's challenging. I haven't kept a tally, but I wonder if everybody that's come on the podcast has at some point said money on its own is just not enough. You know, it's an outcome. It's an indicator. Uh, there has to be a bigger why than just money. And it definitely has to be in those first few years when money isn't it's not what's coming in. <laughs> um, and yes you have to be wise and use your discernment yes, yep. about how much do you flog a dead horse but if the horse isn't dead 
Like you do need to push through those challenging seasons where money may not be flowing in. And the money will generally follow you know, good people that are caring for people, doing the right thing, but that'll often be a byproduct. Yeah, we went into business together with very clear expectations that money from our joint venture would stay in the joint venture. And now our families are reaping the benefits yeah. of that decision that we made. It has been challenging for both of our families along the way in different ways. But now, like, I love being able to serve our community and serve people in their homes, being able to see massive transformations for people, to see families living in freedom and joy that having a clutter-free house brings, and to hear stories from our podcast listeners who have listened to us and taken on our tips and tricks and transformed the way that their families do life. Yeah. And the way that we get to serve our broader community through investing in from a um, donation perspective, like we, we're investing in girls in Myanmar, setting yeah. them free from sex slavery yeah, through the joy of what organization doing are you doing that through eden ministries yeah wonderful yeah uh, those organizations are changing the world we've started talking about your customers because they're the other important people <laughs> yes, in, in the business and you really uh listen you're really close to your customers Yes, so we have a wonderful Facebook community that is growing by the hundreds every month. So much so that, I mean, Facebook algorithm is fantastic. It's showing it, showing our Facebook group to people who have never even heard of the podcast. Yeah. So they'll often come in and be talking about stuff and talking about other podcasts and recommending other YouTube videos and other podcasts. And we have to gently remind them <laughs> this is a business <laughs> it's a group around our business yes. but it's just phenomenal like people come into the Facebook group and start talking about oh like I'm really stuck on this and Amy and I don't even need to reply because there's like a hundred people already replying right just and initial and, support yeah. yeah and pointing people to our podcast but also sharing their experiences like and sharing pictures of their homes and showing them how they've changed their lives so we absolutely love our facebook community group and then we love our groups that are around our courses as well and we love our customers like there is we are in such a privileged position to be invited into people's homes it's such an intimate space it it's such a space that people hold very sacred and to allow a stranger into your home to see your mess is a very vulnerable yeah, very. place to be and so we never take that lightly and we are so honoured every time we're invited over someone's threshold because the things that come up for people... All sorts of painful memories. Yeah, and it's really... Loved ones who are no longer with us. And, yeah. yeah, and their own missed dreams and their own expectations. Like mine, I expected I was going to love being a, a stay-at-home mum. That was not my story yeah. and so to be able to hear people's stories and to have the privilege of sitting 
with them in their mess and not judging them for the mess, whatever that mess is, whether it's the physical mess or the emotional mess, like it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to sit with people and to be like, I honestly think that that's my, oh my gosh. Do you have tissues? Do you want me to go and get some? It's fine. Okay. Tears are meant to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thankful that I get to sit in people's mess with them, be a witness to their mess, and then get to help them transform whatever mess that is. And yes, I'm not the answer to all of their messes. No. Um, and I'm not a counsellor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not... I'm not a cleaner. We've got a whole podcast episode on we are, but we're not. Yeah. <laughs> so, or we're not, but we do. I can't even remember what it's called. It's something like that. So, like, we're not cleaners, but we'll clean. We're not counselors, but we counsel. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so it's such a, I just, I just, it blows my mind every day that I get to do this job because it is powerful to see transformation. I'm not powerful, the transformation is yeah. powerful. So when you go into someone's home, um, you refer to these things, they're called landmines. Yes. What, what are they? Yes, we've done a whole episode on this as well. Um, landmines are when we walk into a home where with somebody and something comes up. It's like a landmine's gone off. So like we an might, explosion? yeah, we might yeah. ask what is to us an innocent question or a curious question, and it leads to something blowing up. For instance, I've been in someone's home when I've asked about a cot that was in the garage. I was like, oh, what's with this cot? And it all poured out from her that actually she does want to have more children, but now her and her husband are separating. Mm. Yes, <laughs> that is probably a very obvious thing to be very gentle around, but sometimes, sometimes, they're, not, no. sometimes they're not. Like I've worked with parents with kids with special needs and sometimes you don't know about that until you ask the question of like, why do you want to keep this finger painting from 15 years ago and they're like that is the best painting that they've ever done wow. whereas for me that looks like finger painting and yeah. so it's been an incredible journey of learning how to be sensitive and also how to continue to encourage people to delve into what it is that's going on for them in that situation by no means do I want people to get rid of everything <laughs> and if they want to keep the cot they can keep the cot if they want to keep the finger painting they can keep the finger painting yeah. but again it's that honor of being able to hear those stories and to help them to work through is that finger painting the only representation of how amazing their son is yeah yeah yes or no it's it's beautiful and messy yeah okay <laughs> Uh, which probably sums up decluttering, doesn't it? Beautiful yeah. and messy. Yes. <laughs> you used a really interesting word a little earlier, was freedom. Yeah. Obviously, you are bringing people freedom. Yes. But that clearly resonates very deeply with you. Yeah. That's a very personal... <laughs> Can't you tell again by my tears? <laughs> so you've obviously found freedom yourself. Yes. And now you're helping other people find the same thing that you found. Yeah. And 
one of the freedoms that I found, and maybe it's just because of age and growing maturer, <laughs> is actually just being free to be me. Yep. Being totally okay with me and all of me. All the good things about me and all the not so good things about me and being confident in me. So I want people to have that as well. And I see that play out in their clutter and in the decisions that they make. So lots of times people say, I can't get rid of that. Somebody gave that to me. I hate that. I'm never gonna wear that. Or I despise that teapot that my grandmother <laughs> gave me. And it is a joy to remind them that it's okay to hate the teapot isn't a reflection on their love for their right. grandmother or it's okay to not love the dress that you spent $200 on you're still allowed to love yourself even though you made a decision that you now regret so I love that it's not just bringing freedom from the clutter and it's not just freedom it's not just from the, it's not just the thing is no it? it's not just freedom from it's freedom to right it's freedom to be you it's freedom to do all the things that you actually want to do instead of being a slave to your home. It's freedom to have white space in your head and your heart and your home and your calendar to go, well, what am I here for? Like, I want what Kirsty's talking about. I want whatever she's got in that I want to have purpose and I want to get emotional when I speak about my purpose in life. And I haven't had the space or the time to be able to figure out what that is. And sometimes clearing the clutter in your home gives you the ability to have that white space to dream again and to figure out yes. what life is, what you're meant to be doing. So by, by clearing physical things, you're actually clearing like mental. mental and emotional things, yeah. which is where your head, heads, hearts and homes come yeah. from. I talk to business owners every day about their marketing and the consistent feedback is that they feel lost in the digital marketing world. Usually they've got someone to have a go at some SEO, Google ads or social media, but they often don't know what work is even being done and they can't see any results. This is where our team and I can help with our digital marketing playbook. Over the past 10 years, we've designed a process to help you achieve your business goals by speaking to the right people at the right time with the right message. We analyze your competitors, create the unique voice you should use in the marketplace, map out your customer's path to purchase, and then create expert search, social media, and nurture strategies to attract the right people to your business. This is all underpinned by our belief that the best digital marketing puts people first. If you need help to get your marketing on the straight and narrow, why not drop us a line at theonlineco.net. You can have a quick chat to one of our team to see how we can best support you in growing your business. The people listening to this podcast are small and medium business owners. Mm -hmm. They may be asking themselves now, all right, where's the clutter in my, in my home? But really, where's the clutter in my heart, my head, and maybe in my business? Like, yes. What advice would you give a, a business person, maybe with a couple of staff or maybe with 100 staff? Like, what would you suggest to them in terms of decluttering? I think that the advice I would give to people is to have that freedom in knowing who you are so that you can be the best person 
for your staff members and you can be a, the best person that you can be for your customers and for your business so that when you know who you are and you know your strengths and your weaknesses and you're not afraid to look into that mirror be it a spouse <laughs> or a child or a business partner or your customers or your staff members like being brave enough to look in that mirror and decide what it is and who it is that you are and you're meant to be um, and then doing the work that that takes and it is work it's not easy <laughs> um, but also looking at you know this is what Amy and I encourage each other all the time is to actually stop and look is there something that we're doing that we actually don't need to do like can we actually declutter yeah. can we outsource can we bring on a VA can we bring yeah. on more staff should members we stop that thing? Yeah. yeah should we stop doing the podcast should we stop doing the online courses or should like should we stop doing the decluttering and just bring in more staff so that we can focus more on the strategy side of our business and growing our business so um there's two ways that you can attack that declutter question what in your business can you declutter and and what in your own mindsets do you need to declutter yes i'm i'm mindful of some business people i speak to who say things like right well we've got this option and we've got that option and, and we can do this and oh i forgot to mention and and, and their business plans cluttered that's pretty yes. clear and then we don't call it decluttering but we essentially clarify what they're meant to do if they're not willing to clarify, they're generally headed for problems. It's just probably not going to work because they're confused and their customers are confused. <laughs> yep. And that's probably how our listeners felt a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know, we've had people who live in Sydney who really resonate with Amy more. Okay. And people who live in Melbourne who resonate with me more. And they're like, I live in the wrong city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they must be really stoked to have you in the house. They're like, oh, I'm a famous person. Uh, it's like so awesome to get a phone call from a listener who then wants me to come into their home. And like, I know Amy feels the same because they know us. So they, mm. they know about Simon and Cal and Oliver and Emily and Elijah and Jesse and they- yeah, feel like part of the family. They do. And they'll parrot us back to us and they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember when you said that. And like, it's brilliant. It's just awkward too, because they know me so well and I've got to do the work to get them, to get to know right. them. But it's so beautiful because it's a really quick and easy way to get into their hearts yes. because I'm already in there. How fun. It's a joy. Do you have a sense of where to next? Where's the business going? I have a sense that 2021 is going to be an extraordinary year of growth for us. Um, we are taking on staff like there's no tomorrow. I was very reticent to take on staff. Amy, not so much. <laughs> again showing our differences but it's just been confirmed again and again to me just how incredible taking on staff has been for our business and will continue to be for our business we hope to be gaining more and more international listeners as okay. well through our podcast yeah and offering virtual services and yeah we'll see sounds very exciting it is exciting <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for your vulnerability and your wisdom Thank you for having me. It's been tearful. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> well, we hope everything goes really well in yeah, 2021. Thank you. thank you. You too. That was Kirsty Ferugia, and you can find out more about the art of decluttering and what they do by listening to their podcast or by checking out their website, theartofdecluttering.com.au. Jess, I would like to look at the strategy they did there, jumping into an opportunity or a gap Mm. in the market. They were first to do a decluttering podcast in Australia. Being first has its advantages. It's also got some risks involved, doesn't it? Yeah, that's certainly true. How do you feel that people should go about identifying these gaps in the market? It's tricky, isn't it? Because sometimes in marketing, you're looking at all the different opportunities and avenues that you can use to market your product or your service, whatever it may be. And you can't always identify these gaps. You do look for them, but often what you'll find is when you start to head down a path, and in Kirstie's case, it's down the podcast avenue, different opportunities have presented themselves to her through doing that podcast. Yeah. So it started with a passion for her because she loved podcasts. She loved listening to podcasts. And then the opportunities come up and she said, to a friend let's do a podcast let's do it yeah yeah maybe that's a strategy find something you love and just go and do it right it absolutely (laughs) is it absolutely is i think there's a mixture of seeing a gap and going for it but also strategy Mm. a podcast can achieve this for us yeah there's there's probably an element of luck in there as well yeah Uh, or or good timing perhaps rather than luck when she started the podcast there wasn't anybody else in australia doing a podcast on on that particular topic Um, and it was trending decluttering was a trending thing you know she mentioned that marie marie kondo uh, and that type of thing so there's a couple of layers to it isn't there that's right so in terms of identifying gaps there are some practical things you can do What we do in the playbook process is we go and identify up to 10 competitors and then we create a grid to see what they're doing and what they're not. And then when you see that visually, you can see that, oh, wow, in our industry, uh, people don't do much Facebook marketing. There might be be a gap there that you can exploit. The other thing is you can start to look at your customer. And when you start to understand your customer, and what we do is actually write a story about Mm. the customer. And so we really kind of live in their shoes for a while you then start to see and understand and think how they think. And then you can start to see the way that they could respond to things and you start to understand them. And, and opportunities and gaps pop out. And I think the challenge with gaps, the old Sherlock Holmes story about the dog that didn't bark, they're trying to solve this murder and they have no idea who it was. But then it turns out that the murderer, when they visited the house to commit the awful deed, that the dog didn't bark. Of course, that means that the dog knew who it was. But what Sherlock Holmes did that was genius was that he observed something that wasn't there mm. as opposed to observing something that is there. That is there, yeah. And spotting something that's not there is harder. Now, off the back of the podcast, they've created a Facebook group as well. They've created a community of raving fans. Yeah, it's quite successful too. I think there's nearly 9,000-odd members in their group. Right. And um, Kirsty talked about how when it got started, there was quite a bit of work. But as it got going, and as people listen to the podcast, they really absorbed the philosophy. And now the group members sort of all help each other. It's like a support group. Yeah. And they don't have to answer all the questions. There's people in the group. So if, if you want the strategy for how to run a Facebook group, I think Kirstie's uh, hit the nail on the yeah, head, she's, right? She's done very well. Yeah. Can you tell me about Facebook group strategy? Yeah. Facebook groups are just a powerhouse of Facebook at the moment. 
So you'll probably notice as you're going through your news feed, the groups that you're in often appear at the top. So the algorithm's biased towards groups. But it is at the moment. So groups often take a lot of work to get going. So groups require a lot of content. But what happens as you build the group and you provide really good content, the people that join your group start to contribute their own content, as in the case of yeah. what Kirsty was talking well, just, about. Just questions, conversations, That's observations. Just questions yeah. and conversations. You know, in, in Kirsty's case, you know, it might have been tips around decluttering or what will happen in the latest podcast episode and things like that. And what happens as a natural flow on is you get a group of like-minded people who keep joining the group and they refer to their friends, they invite their friends. So the group starts to then almost serve itself. The ideal destination to get to with a group is where you don't have to add too much content yes. because your users are doing it for you. Yes. So effectively, you've got a group of people that love the podcast talking about the same things. And off the back of that, the guys get uh, sales for their online courses and they get clients for the decluttering. It's a terrific marketing vehicle. That's right. And if I can just take a moment, James, I'd just like to mention our Facebook group. Yep. So we have the Getting to the Heart of Business Facebook group. So go and search it. And if you're enjoying what you're listening to, why not have a look at Come what we're doing? Come and say hello. We'd yeah. love to see you there. Coming up next week, I had a rare opportunity to catch up with the woman behind a brand that started in a little town called Currajong and then became a household name. Karen Lebsamft is the CEO of Currajong Kitchen. That's the brand famous for its lavosh crackers, which you can find in practically every supermarket in Australia. This episode of Getting to the Heart of Business was brought to you by The Online Co. You can find us at theonlineco.net and we can help you with all the things we just talked about. It was produced by Claire Bruce and the music was by Harry Parnwell. If you enjoyed this and found it useful, feel free to share it with a friend. Uh, we'd love you to subscribe and leave us a review.